I remember the best Christmas that I ever had. I wonder how many of you can. You can think back and you go, that was it. That was the best Christmas I ever experienced. And it was about, um, Karen and I were about eight years into our marriage. And we had a couple of kids at that point that were pretty small still. And I, I remember that uh, we had driven up north to uh, where my in-laws lived. Karen's folks lived in what's called the Motherload Country. It's beautiful. and It's about 3,000 feet up. And uh, on, uh, on Christmas Eve, it snowed. And then it snowed all night. It was the only white Christmas I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I remember uh, waking up the next day and just snow all over the place. And the kids were out playing in the snow. We were throwing snowballs. We had hot chocolate. And there was a, hot, bot, uh, a potbelly stove there. And it was just kind of like one of those Hallmark movie things kind of going on, right? I get, to me, I just thought, it, it doesn't get any better than this. Amazing, amazing Christmas. I'll always remember that particular Christmas. There's another Christmas that I'll always remember. It was the worst Christmas I ever experienced in my life. And uh, I hope most of you, um, that that's something that uh, hasn't scarred you as you think back on maybe a really tough Christmas, whatever you might have been going through. But I, I was about 13 or 14 years old. And uh, so this is kind of a, kind of a crazy story. So uh, uh, the, the day before Christmas, Christmas, uh, New Year's, or uh, not New Year's, Christmas Eve day, some, sometime around noon, my dad gathered all of our family up because uh, my dad used to have this old Ford truck. We lived on a ranch, and it had been stuck down the road where uh, the kennels were. We would feed the cattle and stuff, and he couldn't get it up the hill. It had been raining a lot, and he was really, really irritated and frustrated about this. And, and so he, every time he tried to get up the hill, it would just slide back down his old Ford truck. And so on this particular day, he gathered the family, my two sisters and my mom, and he said, okay, we're going to give it a go. And so we all gathered around the truck, and my dad fired it up, and he goes, okay, here we go. And he hit it, and we're, we're, we're all behind. We're, we're pushing the truck. We're probably about two-thirds of the way up the hill. And it, you know, it looks like we're going to make it. And, and the, the, the truck is kind of fishtailing. You know? And if you've, if you've ever driven around mud, you, you kind of know that. You expect that. But my mom didn't know that. And so my mom, just, she lets out this blood-curdling scream. And my dad thought, oh, my God. So you know, he, he hits the, the brakes, and then he slowly lets the truck roll all the way back down the hill. And he jumps out, and he goes, what happened? He's just thinking, what, you know, did somebody get run over? What, what, what happened? And, and my mom goes, the truck was, you know, doing this. And my dad looks at my mom and goes, what? We were almost up that hill. And I mean, he just lost it. It was really, it was pretty ugly. Um, we tried to get the truck up two more times. It didn't work. And so consequently, nobody was speaking to anybody that night. <laughs> Christmas Eve, you know, and mom and dad are not talking to each other. And so my sisters and I, we're thinking, well, like, what is tomorrow going to be like? Because, you know, we're like a lot of families. We had this tradition that you would gather around the tree and you open your gifts. And so we were almost afraid to come out that morning. But we did, and we were met with absolute silence. Nobody was talking. And I, I just, just remember look, you know, from looking at my sisters and, 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 you know, just thinking, this is awful. This is just terrible. You can just feel the tension in the home. I hope that you've never had to experience a Christmas, something like that. But I suspect there are some of you, you've been through some pretty tough times. You know, we started this series, All I Want for Christmas, a few weeks ago. And, and actually, Tony began, he talked about joy, experiencing joy in the season. Isn't that what we all want? And then last week, I talked about how to simplify your Christmas. You could actually experience more, more joy. Uh, and today, we're actually going to talk about how to have peace. You might recall, if you were with us last week, we talked about the shepherds out in the field, and, and the angels came, and they made this proclamation, and they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, and what's that? 
peace, peace to those whom his favor rests. It's so difficult sometimes, especially in this season, to experience the peace. And, 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 and you know, God wants us to have that. In fact, I think, I think that if God had a wish list for any one of us, it was this Christmas, I want you to experience peace, that elusive thing that we, we want to have into our life that's so difficult to get a heart of. And so the question is really is, how do we do that? How do we experience peace in this particular Christmas season? Um, and it all begins really with God and with people. What are, the, what are the two great commands? Most of you should know this. I've said it many, many times. It's really so. If you want to take the, the entire Bible and you want to just summarize it to two things, it's love God with everything and love people with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole thing. And that's how you experience peace. Problem is, a lot of times one of those isn't working. Sometimes both of those are not working. We're not really, you know, we're kind of at odds with God for whatever reason, kind of out of sorts. Or, or we're, we are at odds with people, and therefore there's a lack of peace in, in our life. Well, it really, it all begins with family. Family. Now, now, when I say the word family, I imagine right now that you all process that differently. And for some of you, when you think family, Hallmark movies, you know, are like, oh, that's your family. Let me just tell you, if, you, if your family's like that, you are blessed. You are so blessed. Um, but a lot of us haven't had that experience. Uh, when I talked about what happened in our home, what I didn't know and wouldn't find out till years later is that my mother suffered from mental illness. A little bit of therapy for my sisters and I and got through that. And uh, we discovered that later on in life. And, and, and so if you've ever grown up in, in a home like that, then, then you know what that's like. But uh, it's, 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 it's valuing the time with, with, with your family. Uh, and so like when we say family, let, let's talk about what family is. This is a good working definition right here. Family isn't defined only by last name or by blood, because a lot of us have people that are in our family that actually are not by blood related to us. It's defined by commitment, and it's defined by love. It means showing up when they need us most. It means having each other's backs. It means choosing to love each other even on those days when you struggle to even like each other. That's what family is like. When I, uh, when I was about 12 years old, um, I, I went to a youth convention and I became best friends with a guy named Sammy, Sammy Vasquez. He's still my friend all these years later. And um, his family became my family. They actually became my second family. And I needed a second family. My home was not a place of peace many times, depending on what was going on with mom. And, and so I would escape over at his place, and I spent probably, in, for several years, I was at his home just as much, maybe if not more, than my own home. The Vasquez's, in, in so many ways, kind of adopted me. And there was always an open bed in Sammy's room. Actually, that one was my, my, my bed, and he had his bed. And there was always tacos and, and awesome food at that house. And that, I was just like a son to them. I mean, even before uh, Sammy and I would go to bed, his mom would come in and sing songs over us. I mean, that's a cool family, man. This was like that Hallmark family. And, and for me, it was a place of peace when sometimes I just wanted to escape. They became my family. And I, my, I guess because of that, maybe one of the reasons that later on when I got married and, and then when we had kids, my wife and I, I decided I wanted to return the favor. And when... Um, when we were youth, in youth ministry, there was a little 11-year-old girl that came into our life, and she used to babysit our kids. And her parents were going through a horrible divorce. I mean, it was really, really bad. And her mom was an alcoholic, and there was all kinds of abuse going on. And so we, we took a little summer into our home. And uh, she began to really be a part of our family. She began to do vacations with us. 
And then later on, I mean, she spent more and more time. We got her through high school. We got her through uh, college. She graduated from UC Santa Barbara with honors. She became a teacher. She, she married uh, Parker uh, and had three kids. And I was there to perform her ceremony. It was really cool. I walked her down the aisle. Then I went on the other side of it and performed the ceremony. First time I've ever done that. Man, that was way cool. But, 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 but Summer uh, and her family, Aiden, Emmy, you know, and her kids, we considered our grandkids. So that, that's another version of a family that, that you, you can experience. Family looks like a, a lot of different kind of things. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. We're going to get into this story today. And, and uh, this is kind of the backstory of as Jesus comes into this world. So if you have your Bibles, would you just turn there real quick? Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And uh, my, my uh, Bible has a little subtitle here, and it says, Mary visits Elizabeth. So let me just give you the context real quick, just so this will make sense to you. So what's happened is Mary has been visited by an angel, and the angel has told Mary that she's going to conceive and give birth to the Messiah, uh, the Son of God. And she's, four, she's probably about 14 years old. So this is like mind-blowing, like, how can I, this happen? And she's still wrestling with this. And she, so she, the Bible says that she's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and she becomes pregnant. And so she is, she's, she's a virgin, and she's pregnant, and, she, and you can imagine she's telling her story, and you can also imagine probably not too many people are believing that story, right? And so she makes her way over to see Aunt Elizabeth. Now, Aunt Elizabeth uh, is married to a guy named Zachariah, and he also has received a visitation from an angel. So, like, there's all kinds of miracles that are taking place. You know, a lot, a lot of time's gone by, and 400 years, we talked about last year, and God hasn't spoke, and suddenly God is speaking a lot. Crazy stuff is happening so uh, the angel uh, called Gabriel, the archangel of God, comes and visits Zechariah one day while he's doing his priestly duties and, and, and gives this information to Zechariah. He says, your wife, Elizabeth, in her old age, and she's estimated to be somewhere maybe in her mid-50s, could even have been her early 60s, she said he, he's, she's going to have a baby. So Zechariah is so flabbergasted by this information that he doubts, and he goes, ah, you know, he has a hard time believing it. And so Gabriel goes, do you know who I am? I'm an archangel of God. And I've just told you something's going to happen, so you're going to be mute for a while. You're not going to be able to talk. And so he leaves, and, and, he, and he can't talk for a while. So this is all going to play into this, this story. 39. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So Elizabeth, her aunt, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the baby in Elizabeth's womb is actually John the Baptist. And so I guess apparently John just, just does like a little flip, you know, in the womb. He's super excited. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child that you will bear. But, who am I, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is the one who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. So exciting things are, are going on. Uh, why would she go to Elizabeth? You know, you ever thought, well, how come she just didn't stay home with her parents? Uh, again, I go to the fact that she's now about three months pregnant, and um, she's, she's uh, told everybody that it's, she's a virgin, and she's not married, and so this is pretty scandalous stuff in a little town over there. And so there's a safe place to go. Uh, the safe place is Aunt Elizabeth right now, um, and, and it's, it's a safe place because she's not being judged. I, it, it makes me think of this. 
who is it that maybe is in your family? Now, it doesn't have to be blood, but who is it that maybe you need to include this year? Maybe they need a safe place. Maybe life has been, maybe they had a really, really difficult year. Maybe they're going through a really horrible divorce. Uh, perhaps, you know, they're, going, they're, they're suffering with an addiction or whatever it is. Let me just ask you this question, because it's a question I asked myself this week. Would we be the kind of family that one of my family members or somebody that I know really well, could they call the Bombachis and say, hey, can I come to your place? For any reason, unwanted pregnancy, drug addiction, going through some issues with the law. Are we the kind of people that would say, come on over, this is a, this is a safe place. We're not going to judge you. See, when I, when I think of family, I think of all those things. It's complicated, isn't it? In, in some ways, family is kind of acquired taste. You know, you have to work on it. You really, really do, especially around this, this time of the year. Go back here. In Psalm 68, 6, it says this, God says to the lonely in families. Probably most of you know this, and I probably don't even need to remind you of it because it's really sad, but suicide rate goes really up during this time of the year that there are a lot of lonely, lonely people out there, that there are a lot of people that have lost somebody that was significant in their life. Um, and so those people, they're just, you know, they're out there and, and they're around us. And I, I think for us, it's, it's just kind of saying, God, is there somebody like that? Is there a military family out there? And, and their husband or their wife is away overseas. And is there, maybe we should invite them over. And, and make this a Christmas where they won't be alone. God cares about all that. And, and they will experience peace because I tell you what, if they sit home by themselves, they're not going to experience peace. They're just going to be lonely. And you, have, you and I have an opportunity to do something about that. I think celebration is also a, a big part of family, to celebrate what God has, has done in, inside of our families. Notice what it says. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped. So there's, there's a big celebration going on right here, even in the midst of all the turmoil, and it's turbulent. you got to know, you got to read the entire story. In the midst of all this stuff that's going on, they're like, you know, there is something to celebrate. There is something to celebrate. I think families should be intentional about celebrating every year. Now, I realize in a year, a lot of stuff happens, right? Good, bad, everything in between. So um, I, I think of our own family, and I think, you know, 2018 has been a, a good year for us. It's also been a difficult year for us in, in, in some ways. But uh, we choose to, to think of the good things that have happened. Uh, and so this is one of the good things that happened right here. Uh, this is little Keaton Olivia. My daughter Rachel uh, had her. Um, she's about eight months old. And so we celebrate, you know, our, our latest grandchild. We have five grandchildren now. And that's something we can, we can celebrate. My son Caleb graduated from uh, San Diego State. Yeah, super excited about that. And then that's uh, mom with Caleb on, on graduation day. And uh, the bill is paid. Wow. Super happy about that one. My other daughter decided to go to a school that cost a lot more. We're still paying for that one. Okay. This is Miguel. Miguel has become part of our family. He's been with us for about a year and a half now. Miguel uh, uh, you know, has gone through some difficult times. And so he, he moved in with us. He's one of Caleb's really good friends. And Miguel is almost done with community college. And he's on his way to either... UCLA or UC Santa Barbara, been accepted, and we're so excited for him. Uh, he's going to go into medicine, and, and God's doing some really, really cool stuff in, in, in his life as well. And then finally, one of our other celebrations, that's my son Stevie and uh, his girlfriend Jessica. Uh, well, this last summer, we went to Costa Rica, and we did a vacation. 
And um, that was one of the highlights. That really was the highlight of our summer. Had, had such a great time. But I, I do this to celebrate what we're doing, but I want you to think about what can you celebrate you know, if you're, if you're struggling financially, if you're going through health issues, if, you know, whatever is going on, you got to always, you got to find a reason to celebrate, okay? And that's part of the peace that you'll experience if you can look back and know how good God has been this year. And then, we, then we've got to look for intentional ways, really, to put Christ in the center of our celebration. Now, I, I, I some of you, I don't know some of you. Some of you really know me well. And uh, I, I suppose that you're thinking, well, you know, you're a pastor, so, and I don't know what you think of pastors, but you're thinking, so, you know, for you, putting Christ in the center is really easy. I, look at, I, I, let me just kind of talk for a minute about, like, what I'm really like, okay? Because I think for some of you, you're thinking, well, you know, if we walk into your house, there'd be religious symbols all over the place. You know, um, if we went to your, to your radio on your car, you'd have it on K-Love, wrong. You'd find it on 94.9 and 91X. Um, if, uh, if you came to our house at night, we'd all be joining in hands and praying for each other. Wrong. You know, we do pray. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to make a, take, paint a picture of us being unspiritual. But we just are like you. And, and we have to focus and find ways to bring Christ into the center. It's called Christ Mass, not me Mass. So last week I talked about the fact we can't make it about us. And if you and I are going to experience peace in this Christmas season, it really is about putting Christ in the center of it. So uh, let's go back to the story, verse 46. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, actually, because it, it's kind of long. But this is actually called Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of his humble state of his servant, and from now on, and this is so true, all generations will call me blessed. And for 2,000 years, we've called her blessed. Because she brought our Lord and Savior in, into the world. The question is, how, uh, how can you do that? How can we do that? I think, I think, how many of you have established traditions in your home regarding Christmas? I think that's part of it, really. And, and, and making that tradition about something that relates to Christ. Uh, I, I don't know uh, what you do on Christmas Eve or on Christmas morning. Uh, we take time with the family and we open our gifts, but we do it kind of in, in, in a different way. Uh, and I'm not going to go and explain how we do it, but we have a tradition. And it's really cool. And it's really, it takes quite a while to get through it all. But it's just about appreciating how good God has been. Uh, it's about a, a, appreciating uh, each other. And, and it's really, really special. That's just one of the things that we do. Um, so what would that be for you this Christmas? And here's what I want to tell you. If you don't have a tradition, start one. Start, it, like, start some kind of tradition in your family that becomes sacred, so much so that uh, your kids look forward to it every year. My kids are all adults now. We have certain traditions, you know, and they're like, aren't we going to do that? You know, which is cool. It just means they really, really love that tradition that, that we have. So what are you going to do? And finally... Uh, peace is possible when we honor God and each other. What does it bring us back to? Those two things, love God and love people. And if we're not loving God and we're not loving people, we're not going to have any peace in our life. Let's uh, finish our story, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard of the Lord, that the Lord had shown her great mercy and, the, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, 
They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but, but his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Now, in Jewish tradition back then, names were really, really significant. I'm not saying that they're not significant now, but I think there were even more then. Like it was really prayed over, it was really thought about, we're going to name this kid. And many times you, you kind of kept the, the name inside the family somewhere, so there were certain names. And, and like the name John was just like, what in the world? Where did that come from? So there's just kind of people having a hard time dealing with this. And they said to her, there's no one in your relatives who has that name. And when they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child, he asked for a writing tablet. Why? Remember, he's mute. Remember, like, can't talk. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe throughout the hill country of Judea. And people were talking about all these things, and everybody who heard this wondered about it, asking, what is this child going to be like? For the Lord was with him. And we know that that child will grow up to be one of the greatest people that's ever lived, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Honoring God opens the doors for miracles to happen. And, and maybe we can't appreciate what, what um, Zachariah did in that moment. We're like, Oh, big deal. So he's named his son John. No, it was a huge deal. He broke with tradition. He did something that was really like, he could have taken a hit for it. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you and I are going to experience peace, the greatest peace you can ever experience is when you're obedient to God, when you walk in obedience to God. And the greatest disturbance and sense of not having peace in your life is when you're not walking with God or you're not being obedient to God. I was 19 years old when I became a Christ follower. And the very first thing that God told me to do, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot. I just knew that I was back. I wanted to follow Christ. And the very first thing he said was, you need to break up with your girlfriend, who I'd been with for two years. And I went, what? And, and, and I knew, just to meet, because she was not on board with this whole faith thing. She was like, no, not, not, not doing it. She wanted to still stay in the relationship, and so did I, but she's like, no, I'm not doing this. And Man, you talk about turbulence in my life. I'm like, God, what am I going to do? I really loved her. God, what am I going to do? I want to stay with her. And I remember one of the most difficult things at that time in my life that I ever did is I made that decision really with a lot of anguish in my heart. And I just said, I, I, I just can't stay with her. And so I, I broke up with her. And really, when I broke up with her, at that point, at 19 years old, I felt like that was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done. And I thought, I'm going to be heartbroken all year. And God, I mean, I felt like I, it, it lasted about three days. I'm serious. Like three days later, it was like God came in, swept in, did something inside of my heart, and I felt like a new man, and I'm like, what happened? And I know what it was because I've experienced hundreds of times since then. Every time that I walk out and I do something that's really difficult to do, and I don't want to do it, but God wants me to do it, every time that I do that, I experience the blessing of God, and the blessing of God equals the peace of God. So let me ask you a question. Is there something that God is asking you to do? Or maybe something that you know that you are a part of, that you shouldn't be a part of, and maybe God's been knocking on your door for a while and he's going, hey, 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 trying to get your attention. And maybe this Christmas season, you'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it, whatever it would be. Maybe it's something you do, maybe it's something you don't do, maybe whatever it would be, you know, God knows. I just want to tell you, you want peace? Do what God tells you to do. You know. You know. Whatever that would be, God will tell you. Immediately, 
His mouth is open. His tongue set free. Why? Because you know, he was obedient at that point. He goes, no, no, we're going to break with tradition. We're going we're to name him John. Honoring God changes the conversations in our communities. You know, one thing that I, I just get so tired of is all the political rants and all of the negativity in our I've never seen our country so divided right now. It just drives me crazy, you know. CNN saying one thing, Fox News is saying another thing, everybody's caught in between. All the, all the stuff that's coming up, and people are just so negative. And so what can we do to change that? Well, think for one thing, I don't know about you, I want to be a part of the solution and not the problem, right? I don't want to get caught up in all that, and that's one of the reasons in this church you're never ever going to see me, like, talk about politics. I don't do that. I just figure there's better things to do with my time. And there's different ways that we can, we can help uh, our, our community that we're in right now. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, and we're talking about these things, and everyone who heard this wondered about it. Okay, this is the big talk that, like, wow, something powerful's happened. What then is this child going to be? And they would find out later on, man, that kid was going to be an amazing kid, John, John the Baptist. But here, here's what happens. When you and I honor God, what happens is it paves the way for other people to experience peace. And for the last year, and we've done it for many years, but this last year, this church has done some amazing, awesome things. Like, I was just, we talked earlier about what, what happened just a, a few days ago, and a bunch of you showed up uh, and contributed, and 115 police officers and, and fire department people sh- were there, and they were blessed. And you can see it all over their face. We just said, you know, people say what they will about, about cops and, and fire people and all that, first responders. We just said, you know, we're just here to, to, to bless you, that's all. See, that's, that's what we can do. Talk is cheap. Doing things really begins, begins to change the conversation. We did, uh, Mark Waller told us, uh, and he gave us some stats here, that we gave out 16 blankets, uh, two sleeping bags, uh, 230 pairs of socks, and 51 jackets to really people that are down and out, people that just need a little help this year. And you came through big time for that. That, that changes the conversation. My wife and I, Karen, last night we were at the Syrian Outreach we had uh, Abraham and his family that were sitting, Syrian family, at our table. We got to eat some of their food. It was really awesome, by the way. But we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm all this talk about walls and coming up or coming down and, and immigration policies. I don't know about that. We were just there to bless a bunch of Syrian people. And I think that's, really, that's, that's where the miracle comes in. That's where I'm not, I'm not making judgments one way or the other. I'm just saying, if people are in front of me, I'm going to find a way to bless them. And I think that's what a church does, Right? We find a way to bless our community, wherever they come from, whatever is going on with their life. No judging. And that's how you experience peace. Well, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker? Or are you a peace avoider, a conflict avoider? See, a lot of us, I say that, and that gets real, real fast when you face Christmas, Right? Because you're thinking, oh, um, I can immediately see some conflicts that I want to avoid, and that's why we're not going to go there, and and we're not going to invite them, and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are proactive. We actually go out of our way to make peace. We don't avoid conflicts. We don't get into them purposely, but we don't avoid them because we're trying to make peace. But what would that look like this Christmas for some of us? And then Paul actually took it to the next level, and I love that he said this. He kind of throws a little caveat in here. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, 
the reason I thought this particular verse was so important, because all of us have that one person probably in our life, and we go, they're absolutely impossible. You can't make peace with that person. And the, the caveat is this. He's saying, when you do everything that you've done, you're good. You know, if they're going to hate on you, let them hate on you. If they won't forgive you, that's on them. If they won't speak to you, that's on them. But you do your part. And, and, and I'm going to do my part. And if we'll do that, then you and I can experience peace in this Christmas season. So let me ask you this question. What, what is the next step? What is the next step? What is the thing that you need to do this Christmas? Is it, just, is it between you and God? Maybe that's it. Maybe you're here today and you say, I just got to get things right with God. It's, it's not all good. Or you say, no, actually, me and God are good, but me and whoever, we're, we're struggling. And today is today. Or maybe God's been asking you to do something and you haven't done it, and that's why you're not having peace. And today, God is saying, just obey and discover my peace. Can you guys all stand up? I'd like you to, we're going we're gonna to conclude with a prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, but it's, about, it's a prayer about peace. And then when we're finished with this, this prayer, we're going to finish with a song. But um, in your very best voice, your best voice, uh, with great determination and passion, and like you really mean it, I want you to read together with me this prayer. Okay, everybody ready? All right, here we go. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Hang on, that'll change. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen.